Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Meat Eaters Ear Talk Podcast. Jordan Bud here, your co-host, and then co-hosting with me is Giannis. You tell us he's on. Jordan. And uh, yeah, we're just gonna do a quick recap over I don't know the last couple months of the year, and then we're into the new year now, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the gear we used, and that's pretty much it. What's been going on, Yanni? Uh, you know, for me, ever since I got back from Latvia in September, and if you want to hear how that hunt went, go check out the, uh, I think it was the Christmas episode of the Meat Eater podcast. Yeah. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Where uh, <clears throat> Steve quizzed me a little bit about my trip over there. It was super fun. Uh, but since Latvia, I did a couple of Wisconsin white-tailed deer hunts. Unfortunately, it was not successful. But uh, had a good time, learned a lot. And then since then, really once uh, December opened up or started, well, I was going to say all I've been doing is line hunting, but that's not true. I went out with Max Barta for the first week of December and did some goose hunting, some dry, uh, what do they call it? Dry field? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm such an inexperienced (laughs) waterfowl hunter. I don't even know what it's called. But uh, we hunted geese in Montana. We also got lucky and had some ducks come in on our spread one day. So I think we had like a bonus three or four mallards, um, which is super fun. But since then, it's been all uh, line hunting all the time, as much as possible, which it turns out, I'm learning this slowly, is because I'd like to say I'm just out there catching lions, but actually I'm just out there um, driving my snowmobile, driving my truck. <laughs> and hiking, looking for mountain lion or bobcat tracks. And um, I'm, I wish I was, had a better journal kept. I've been meaning to go back and write down my notes for the year to tell you like how many days I have to go look just to find a track and then how many you know tracks I find versus how, how many times that equals you know finding and getting a cat in a tree. But right now, the tally as of uh, the 4th of January or sorry, the 5th of January, is uh, two mountain lions and one bobcat. So that's what I've been up to. What about you? Nice. Oh, I think uh, last time we talked was probably, I think we just got done with the Idaho general uh, season. I shot a buck there, and then I went to Wyoming on a tag that I drew, and just we just had, uh, it was rough. It was really rough as far as, just saw like, didn't see very many bucks at all. Saw tons of does. Didn't see very many bucks. Saw everything we did see was pretty little. So um, we were there for like four or five days. And then we went to Montana. And uh, Leah shot a buck like pretty much the first morning that we were there. And then 
that was it. That kind of closed out our our Western hunting. Well, a little bit of our Western hunting. And then I went back to Nebraska and guided through November and December, the first part of December, and got the got the outfit taken care of as far as clients go. And then, man, that's pretty much it. Or I guess I did. I, I went back to Montana with, uh, we did a hunt with Sig Sauer in Montana, and I shot a whitetail buck. So. Mm, that's yeah. right. I saw that. With Lydia Smith and a couple other gals, yeah, right? Yeah, Jess Johnson was there, and yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. And if you want to see uh, Jordan's fall full of mule deer hunting, <laughs> uh, you can check out, uh, what did you call the oh, little yeah. video you put together? Actually, it's a good question. I don't remember what I called it. I think I just said uh, mule deer, right? Or the hunting moon or something? The hunting moon, Yeah. 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 Which is a very clever, uh, cute little uh, idea there is the hunting moon. I, I don't know how many other people have used that, but you're probably not the first one, but yeah. uh, I, I like I like the idea of a uh, hunting yeah. moon. Yeah, it was a, man, it was, it was a blast, honestly. It was so fun. So since then, I've just been back in Idaho trying to hike. I've been hitting the winter range a little bit, just like looking at bucks and just trying to, I don't know, get out more than anything stay out and try not to get too comfy in the house because pretty easy to do after you've been out for you know kind of a hard fall or a long fall oh it's so easy to do gets cold that's one of the great things i think i feel about cat hunting and hound hunting in the winter is that uh it's been still getting me up early in the morning getting me out I still haven't been getting as much hiking in as I'd like to because, like I said, there's a lot of time spent just driving uh, whatever vehicle it is to, uh, you know, try to find the tracks. But hopefully my luck's going to change. I'll start finding more tracks, and that that always leads to more hiking. Yeah, sweet. What's your, uh, what is your 2023 shaping up so far? It's kind of crazy. Like before, it seems like the season barely gets over, and it's already application season. Like right now, oh, we yeah. got to plan H- 100%. out 100%. Yeah. Yeah, my spring, I don't, I don't want to say that I've got like every single date yeah. planned, but I think I'm, I've, I've pretty much got an idea at least of what I'm doing. I mean, it's 90%, as far as hunting goes, it's the line hunting is going to re- lead right into turkeys. Uh, Steve and I drew Osceola tags in Florida, so we're going to film a meteor episode down in Florida for Osceola, which I'm super excited about, and that's early March. So I'll actually like get back from that and still be able to line hunt for another month. But, uh, you know, that'll roll right into, you know, regular turkey. And then um, I'll probably squeeze in a solid week of bear hunting. I really want to put some effort into that this year and get myself bear. And, uh, you know, yeah, then it'll be a short, you know, summer and uh, we'll be uh, right back into fall. So, yeah, it's crazy to think how fast it all goes. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. There's a, I got a lot of irons in the fire for the fall. I probably need to sit down and like, you know, pick pick yeah. and choose and and, and and focus in on, on what it's going to be and, you know, make sure I got the hunts planned with the kids and pl- plenty of time set aside for all that. So, yeah. um, and then you know how it is. It's always with that, with applying for tags in, I don't do a bunch of states compared to others. I do like three or four, but I'm getting to the point in some states where I could get lucky and, uh, you know, and draw a good tag, which kind of always throws a wrench in things. But yeah, yeah. There's a uh, what about you? There's a there's an elk tag that I should draw. I'm like right on the cusp of the points, especially if we keep getting some creep happening. Um, but I should draw it. Hopefully, that'll be like a November kind of like a later season elk hunt, which I really like with a rifle. And then, man, it's kind of just general some general stuff. We're actually talking about going to Hawaii in May for Axis mm. ear and then tack on a couple extra days for a uh, just a little relaxation trip in Hawaii. So I haven't been down there, so that'll be interesting, especially to see like how they hunt on the island too. I think will be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I like to do that too. It's a great way to do some big game hunting with your bow and, you know, and stay in, Stay in bow shape. I guess you. I guess you can probably hunt them with whatever you want when you're there, right? Because I don't yeah. think they really have se- seasons. Um, I think so. It's pretty open. It, like yeah, pretty open for what weapon you want to use. But uh, 
Yeah, we that's that's I, for, I forgot we might go to Texas in February March to do some uh nil guy calling actually and then if we did that we'd go down and uh and, sh- and try to shoot some pigs with the bow and arrow too. Nice. Nice. All right, let's get yeah. to uh top top <laughs> You, you put in there top, you know, we have a little outline that Jordan and I work off of, and uh, it said top three gear items of the year, yeah, and uh, that was very daunting when I saw that. I'm like, there's no way I can pick out like top three gear items. So I ended up with four, and I ended up just deciding that instead of like the top three that I don't know, because I don't know how you'd even value, mm-hmm. rate that, but it's more like what I'm excited about, what I've had fun using. Uh, which seems to be, you know, working well for me. So anyways, you want to kick it off? Yeah, yeah, I'll kick it off. Uh, so I started, we started using the uh, the Argali, the four-person, I think they call it the Absaroka tent. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically, it's they call it the four-person. It's been good for two of us. And then you can still put gear in it too. It's like tick under three pounds just as the tent fly is. And then you can pitch it you can pitch it with their pole or you can actually just had new trekking poles that came out that they have like a connector that screws on the top of one trekking pole and then it screws onto the top of the other one so then you can get like a super extended one pole and so you could pitch it like that too which i used we used it like that a couple times and it was pretty nice but yeah, um it definitely it definitely yeah. saves the weight but i've I found for me every time i do that i'm like well but now I want my trekking poles. So do, am I going to bring my tent down and pack it all with me? If you're going to hunt like that, it's great. But if you're going to like set up a base camp and then hunt out of it, it's definitely better just to bring the center pole. Yeah. You know, I've done like a couple of times with tents is like, you know, when they have the trekking pole tents that you have to use your two trekking poles, not just one together. It's like, uh, well, I'm thinking of like yep. the seek outside Eolus or something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, I would leave one pole up and then when we left in the morning, I would take the other pole out so I could use it and then just like set a rock on top of the tent so it wouldn't flop around. And then when I got mm. back, I could just take the rock That's off a good and idea. pop it back up. And it seemed to I work. I guess you could always just have a saw with you and uh, just cut a just cut a uh, nice long straight young you know, fir tree or something. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah pop it in there true but uh yeah to the this argali it uh you can get like a net like floor insert and i used that when we were in alaska this year Mm -hmm. uh caribou hunting so i used that i didn't know what the bug situation was going to be like so i wanted to have the net but here in the lower 48 like we just to save a little bit of the bulk we just ended up, I went to REI, I think, and bought like a Nemo three-person footprint for a tent. And then it has little stake points on it, so you could stake it out inside of the floorless, and then it's like your ground sheet for sleeping pads. And for and we, we had our pads right side by side together, but if you were just going by yourself, you could get like a one-person or a two-person. And they're pretty light, fold-down small fairly durable material it seemed like and uh yeah you can stake them out and then it's a good ground cloth for your pad uh to help you know protect it and does some other things too so that's pretty much what we ran and that was i mean that was like that was awesome for for two of us and even like just for one person packing it in it's you know it's not heavy especially when you compare something the size of like the footprint that you get with that and the size compared to like just a regular pitched uh freestanding tent with the same weight mm-hmm. like you just get a lot more room so that was pretty awesome yeah yeah I, i'm a fan there's still a lot of people that will comment uh, when i do a post about a floorless tent like why would you you know skip the floor and you know water's gonna get in there and um you know, bugs and snakes and whatever. Uh, I guess where where we hunt mostly out west, it just it's not an issue. And the water, you know, unless you just happen to like pitch in a place where you know you pitched it in a low spot, meaning that everything around you is higher and it's going to cause the water to run to you. Um, 
which would be just a bad move on your part. And if you even if you put up a you know regular tent with the bathtub floor, if it all ran in there and was just soaking like that, um, and you have the pressure of your body laying there, it's going to push that moisture through there too. Um, so that's you know if you pitch your tent in a proper location, moisture is not a thing to worry about. But the big advantage is like you said, just the room. Mm-hmm. There's so much more room and it's so much more comfortable and you don't notice it when the weather's nice because you're not spending time in your tent. You like you get in there, get in your bag and you go to sleep. But when you get caught and it's like a, a trip where there's a bunch of rain or some snow or you're fogged in and you're all of a sudden you're hanging out in the tent, um, man, does it make a difference just to be able to get out of the weather and hang out comfortably, you know, read a book. Yeah, and I'm like that specific one. I'm like 5'10", and I can I have to like tilt my head over a little bit when I'm in it, but you can stand up at least. You know, you're not only being able to sit up and your head's hitting the top of the tent. So that's nice, and then not even to mention like being able to run a stove in it. So, you know, some of these companies like Seek Outside, Kafaru, there's other ones that are popping up now. They're making these little stoves that you can carry with you, wood stoves that are like two pounds. And so, yes. yeah, toss a two-pound stove in there, and especially later season when you want to dry stuff out, or honestly, it just gets dark really fast. And it gets dark at 5.30, and then you're just sitting there for three hours while you're waiting to go to bed or whatever. It's nice to have a fire ripping. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the more comfortable you are, the harder you're going to hunt, the longer you're going to hunt. Yeah. And hopefully that equals more success. Wait. All right. What else you got? Uh, I guess second on mine, I've got a set of boots that I ran this year, the Crispy Brixtel Pro. They're a 10 inch tall. I wrote, or I wore the regular Brixtel quite a bit. I really like that boot, but it is, uh, I think it's a seven inch. Uh, height so the pros they just made those tens they're 200 gram insulation which is like not a lot but it's pretty good for me and my feet get pretty cold easy so even in like october being able to just like knock the the chill off as long as you can start warm usually um but it's a leather boot the flex you know like out of a, a five scale of flex it's a four so and it's pretty narrow too. It's like, it's a good, for me, like I like a stiffer boot. I've had some uh, ankle issues where I've like rolled my ankle really bad, stretched it out and really soft, flexible boots, especially mm-hmm. like side hilling or going straight up a hill have seemed to give me fits. But so a stiffer boot has really helped me with that. So um, that to me is like a good, it's a good combination of like a mountaineering type like fit where it's really a narrow like it's a it's a technical type boot but it's still like full leather and still has some good rocker to it still comfy if that makes sense doesn't feel just like a ski boot um so yeah yeah. do you feel like you could hike in that boot on a like a hard pack trail for five miles and it would still be comfortable yeah i do yeah i think so and then even i've been wearing it quite a bit um here in the off season just like and most of that has been on trails so it's uh yeah it was a good boot for me yeah i need to tr- i need to figure out what i'm going to try from crispy that might be the the thing to try i need something with just a little bit of insulation um yeah especially for running around this time of year um which you- I'll, I'll 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 that's a nice segue because yeah. one of my one of my top picks too that i've been excited about was boots and what I've mostly been wearing, I'll start with with these. I've mostly been wearing, I'd say most of the fall, aside from the early season, which was, I'd say, through September, is still the Schnee's Beartooth. And I've been trying some other boots. I'm not going to get into all the other boots that I've tried this fall, but I keep coming back to those. It's just a really solid, all-around, you know, leather boot. Um, certainly not as stiff. I've never, I haven't worn that Brixel, but I, I don't think it's nearly as stiff as that. Um, it, it's definitely a little bit softer, which in a way is nice because there's literally almost no breaking period. I feel like with those bare tooths, um, and they just they're comfortable. My, my feet have a 
and aromas in them. And so a super stiff sole will irritate that after a while and, you know, cause me a lot of pain. So that little bit of a softer flex is nice. I think they put it on the the one or two scale over there at Schnee's out of a four. Um, but it's just, uh, it's it's kind of a no frills kind of a boot, which I like about it. They got a new, uh, they changed a couple of the eyelets on it. And so it laces up even faster. Um, they got rid of that kind of locking eyelet that was the one around the ankles, which uh, I never was a huge fan of, but um, just solid, solid uh, uh, boot. And uh, sometimes I feel like, oh, everybody needs to come up with something new. But then you go back to like the old trusted product and you're like, oh yeah, this is solid and, yeah. and I can trust it and it works every day. But that being said, when I can get away with something lighter, I do. And this September, I was running around in the uh, Hanwag Makra, which my first pair of Hanwags, I've had a few friends uh, that have worn it. I worn it on our uh, caribou hunt in Alaska and really liked it. Super lightweight, but definitely stiffer. Yeah. And again, I know it's, it's, it's hard to you know tell people when we say stiffer or lighter what exactly that means. I mean, a lot of the stuff we learned from Kendall you know, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago and to how those ratings can change between companies, but de- certainly stiffer than my bear tooths. And it, it, it does, that stiffness does perform like you were saying, side hilling, going straight up steep stuff. Um, you don't, you can kind of just kick in your boots a little bit harder, you know, into the side of a hill, which I think chase an elk, uh, in September, I really like it. And I like just, it, it's a, it's a, shorter boot it's just in g- generally lighter um and it makes me feel faster uh, whether or not i actually am i don't know but it was a great boot fit good it it i think it still has plenty of life left in it for uh for next september too yeah i feel like uh when you're talking about the bear tooths those are a, that's a boot that's like oftentimes we'll hear people ask what if you could only have one because we do you know, we are lucky enough we get to use a lot of different boots and boots that are meant to be in certain situations. But it's like, if you're somebody that hunts September through November, like the Makra might not be the greatest boot for November. Or, 100%. Yeah. But like the Beartooth or something like that is kind of, if you could only have one boot, like that's a boot to look at. And I think uh, I've been using the Schnee's, uh Timberline just for like maybe mm-hmm. the last month. And that's a boot for me that I'm like, if somebody was looking for a boot, that's like, if you could only have one, I think that that would be, that could be a good option too. Yeah. It's very similar to the uh, bear tooth. It's one flex rating less than the bear tooth has. Um, but very similar, like easy to break in comfortable right out of the box. And, uh, yeah, you're 100% right. Like, if you had to, you could easily wear that ba- uninsulated bear tooth from August all the way into December. I mean, I've been running around mountain lion hunting and hunting in it in some super cold temps. And yes, on a zero degree day, do my feet start to get cold midday? You know, especially if I'm not moving around, mm-hmm. just doing too much, just riding on the snowmobile. Yes. Um, but that being said, it's still. It's still getting the job done for the most yeah, part. sweet. And that's what those like Brickstools for me are too. Is like if I could only have one boot, like that's probably what I would choose. Insulated or non? I they do make an on a non insulated. I would still probably stick with the two hundred grams. Even even in the early season, like my feet just sweat anyways. So it's like I don't know. I would rather have the two hundred grams for it when you're dipping a little later in the season and deal with the hotness early season. Interesting. I'm just going to go with another pair of thicker socks when it gets cold. Yeah. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. 
They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Dive into your next one. Yeah, it's this kind of a combo, gear combo. Serious Apollo arrows and the Tough Head Evolution uh, 2.0 broadheads. I shot two critters with those this year. Um, a nil guy uh, in February and then a bull elk in September. Uh, both times they performed absolutely well. The nil guy, I hit exactly where I was aiming. Um, it was a heavy quarter and away shot. Had to go through a bunch of guts to get to the vitals. It did. I believe that the setup that that is, a single blade, uh, single bevel, um, heavy arrow, gave me that penetration of at least two feet, maybe you know three feet of, of like seriously dense gut to get into the vitals. Still went all the way through the vitals and almost poked out the front end of the animal. Um, it was not great blood until he started coming, uh, you know, blood started coming out of his mouth and nose because it because I got the lungs. But at that point, he pretty much tipped over and died anyway. So he went 60, 70 yards. Um, my elk wasn't quite so good of a shot. Same, same positioning, just a little bit farther, you know, quartering away, but a little bit farther instead of 25, it was closer to 40 and ended up hitting him in the keister, uh, which I think I, I can't remember if I talked about it on this podcast or on, or on the media mm-hmm. podcast, but either way you can f- listen to the whole story somewhere else, but both instances, it, it just, it, it worked really well, whether it was, you know, exactly where I was aiming or if the animal jumped and I missed my mark a little bit, um, it, it, it did the trick and I was able to quickly recover both animals and, uh, just very, pleasantly surprised um i did actually switch over to try some uh eastern axes in 
for my uh, whitetail deer hunting, and I was going to try the uh, iron wheel broadheads on that hunt. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I just never got a shot opportunity. So hopefully this year I'll be able to report on the performance of those. But uh, yeah, super stoked on on how they worked, and um, super, it's a heavy setup, six hundred fifty grains. It's a it's a slow moving setup, but like I said, for the two times that well. I should say two times on on big heavy bone critters, it worked very well. I also shot uh, two pigs. One I hit right where I was where I should have hit it. It died immediately. The other pig I hit high, like in the in basically across the the back strap. You know, m- missed the vitals, missed the spine, and uh, I'm pretty sure that pig's still living, unless it's, um, you know, I don't know, been eaten, been eaten by some predator or somebody yeah. else shot it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, nice. let's see. You, you, uh, what, what else did you have on your list? So something that I've been using a long time, quite a long time now is, uh, the outdoorsman's panhead. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is just its integration with like panhead to the window mount to like your bino adapter. Um, mm-hmm. like there's a ton of different tripod heads out there and like there's certainly some that are cheaper like uh you can pick up i think the outdoorsman's pan heads like 400 bucks 440 bucks and you're talking about the new one that's like a little bit bigger right no this is just the regular pan head i think it's like the first head that they ever came out with too got it yep 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 we got it on the meat eater site for 439.99 yep yeah so a little more expensive than what you can get. But one thing I really like about it is if you're looking at the head on the bottom of it, it actually has a dovetail type system that is the same as like the, the plate that you would put on your, uh, on your binoculars or on your spotting scope to put on top of the head. It's hard to explain because there's just not a lot of other people that do it like that. What you can do with that is on your tripod, no matter what tripod you're using, you can put their quick detach on top of that tripod. So it is just a dovetail slide your head on top of your tripod instead of screwing it on. Mm -hmm. And what that does for me is like a lot of the times, especially in Nebraska later season, we are, we're out of vehicles a lot and we're using window mounts a lot. So, like, if you use a window mount a lot, this is where I think the system really shines. Um, basically, their window mount is just a little thing. It's basically, you can hold it in my hand. It's pretty small. You screw it on your window, and then it has the dovetail on top of it to receive the tripod head. So, I can, I can slide the tripod head off of a tripod and put it onto the window mount, and then I'm using the same head on my window mount as I am on my tripod and then everything like all my adapters for uh for my bino adapters for spotting scopes all my plates will still work on my window mount where like typically you get into a situation where like you have your tripod in your head system and you have to take your spotting scope off of it take your plate off put the plate on for your window mount and run it like that this one just this system just keeps it like, just keeps it more streamlined. Uh, you're not losing plates, forgetting to put them back on or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's just a system. Yeah, nothing, nothing worse than showing up for a hunt and realizing that yes. you've got everything besides like three plates, and you need one for you know binoculars, spotter, and I don't know, maybe you have a like a shooting V or something set you know attached to one, yeah. but. It, nothing worse when you're like, oh, I'm gonna have to change plates like every single time between things. That's a that's a I've never thought I've, I've never messed with their window mount. Yeah, it's something I might have to because, yeah, that is slick when you can just take the whole tripod head and just move it from tripod over to the window mount. Yeah, and I think like if you have hunting buddies that you're hunting with a lot, like if you can get them kind of all everybody on the same system, then like. I can I can give you my uh, spotting scope. You could throw it on your head real quick. Like you can switch things back and forth if you want to look through my what 15s or whatever. 
it already is going to have mm-hmm. the same buying amount on it to just switch everything around. So it's like kind of an expensive entry to get into it. But man, like I've been using that system for a long time and I just like can't get myself to switch because it's so slick. So. Yeah, my only uh, critique about that head is that I have a hard time finding, like locking it to a position where it'll still move, but the weight of whatever's on there won't let it, won't make it fall over. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Where like, it's almost like it's either kind of locked off solid to where you can't move the head or you open it up and the thing gets so much play in it that you almost have to be holding on to the the handle to keep it from from you know falling up and down. Yeah, yeah. So usually when I'm usually when I'm doing that head, I'll lock off the the tilt and just keep the pan open and just pan left and right, and then I'll adjust the tilt to another you know section of hill that I'm glassing, and then lock it off again and do that. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it is like it's not like a like a video head that you that no. you can move around, but uh, yeah, it's ten ounces. <laughs> Lightweight. You gotta love it. Yeah. All right, um, the Omen rain pants, but I'm going to talk about how they're great for hunting and snow. Um, I'm kind of fed up with gators, and I've tried a bunch of them, and I mean a bunch of them. I think I'm sitting on four different pairs right now, and I think it's they are the four that are the best on the market right now, um, and they all seem to have the same problem. No matter how tight I get it up at the top of my calf, Eventually, you know, if it is deep snow, it's actually over the top of the gator. Eventually, snow starts to build up at that, the the junction between the top of the gator and my pants. You're getting snow in there. Maybe a buckle comes loose. You get more snow in there. Uh, They'll eventually, it seems like they get pushed down or they slide down. You know, if you're like, they get caught maybe on a log you're crossing, they get kind of slid down a little bit. You don't notice and you have snow you know, above them on your pants. It's just, it, to me, it's an imperfect system. Um, on the bottoms, I always, I feel like no matter how perfect I get that fit on the, on the, on my boot and stretch them out nice and tight and, and, you know, get my, the stirrup, you know, just right. Eventually snow can still work in between the gator and my usually leather boot. And it's going to slowly just start to get that boot wet. Um, so instead, I took a little something from what backcountry skiers do, and also my buddy Jake, who's my main line mentor. He runs this program too. But basically, running heavy duty rain pants for hunting in the snow. And those, I don't know if I'm sure there's other hunting companies that have an internal gator built into their snow snow pants mm-hmm. too. But most ski pants do. Um, it's got some elastic on it. And then it'll usually have like a clip that you can pull down and attach to your boot lace. That just kind of, it's more of a hook than a clip. And that internal gaiter stays down. And then you have your, you know, your pants over the top of that. The Omen actually also has holes in the pants themselves where in the cuff, where it's like a grommet where you could run a string from one side to the other for, I guess, extra you know, protection from keeping the pant riding mm-hmm. up. Cause that's, that's going to be the downfall with this system yeah. is if that little lace hook comes undone and you're, you know, plowing through super deep snow and it just gets pushed up above your boot. And then again, you're going to have snow top of the boot sock area, so on and so forth. But, um, I, last year I actually broke some of those internal gaiters cause I was wearing the Omen pants in a, in a large regular, and I was putting too much stress because my legs were too long and putting too much stress on that boot lace clip. And I broke those. And pretty much once you break that, that internal gaiters, I don't want to say worthless, but it went from being great to not so, not so good at all. Now that I have the large longs, you know, I still have the freedom of movement and it's not putting so much stress. And I don't know, I've probably hunted 20 days with them off on the snowmobile and, and, hound hunting nothing's broken and i haven't had any snow getting up into my program so i think you know you don't have to be lion hunting or or 
you know, hound hunting in the, in the deep snow to, uh, to use these this way. I think that anytime you're hunting, you know, foot plus, I mean, you could certainly use them in six inches of snow too. a foot plus of snow. They're going to shine. Um, cause you're probably, I, I think the one downfall is going to be is they're not going to be as quiet, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a lot of other materials, but you know, if I'm rifle hunting elk late season, um, I think I can be quiet enough wearing that uh, omen rain gear that I could get to within rifle range pretty easily. Um, yeah. So yeah, they've been been tough, you know, overall. But I think it's it's my go to right now for when I'm you know out and about lion hunting. They've got the full length side vents, so when we do get to hiking, I can drop those zippers down off my waist, let a little air in there. Um, cause that again is, it's going to be something you fight too when you're wearing a four and a half layer waterproof pant is that when you start really hiking hard, it's going to get hot in there. So you're, you're going to have to vent it out a little bit. Yeah. Are you just wearing a base layer under that? Or are you wearing pants yep. under it too? Nope. Just a base layer. Just that, that, that. I'm glad you asked that question because that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Just wearing the base layer. Um, if yeah. And and it's been great for 90% of the time. If it's a, a day where we don't really go out if it's much below zero, but if I knew that the high was going to be five degrees, I might wear, you know, a second base layer or like a thin, you know, fleece pant under there. I'm probably not going to wear like a full on hunting pant under there because mm-hmm. it's just unnecessary and, and like I don't need more pockets or whatever I'm going to yeah. have in there. Um, I'd rather have something that's just adding just a little bit of insulation, a little bit of warmth. Um, but again, you run into the problem where even if the high is five degrees, once you start hiking up some hill through deep snow, it's you're going to get hot, you know. So um, again, I have, it's like not the perfect system. I haven't figured it out because it'd be great to just have like a puffy, warm shell, you know, that you're wearing over that as you're, you know, putting around in the on the snowmobile for hours and then when you cut a track and need to go hike after it you could just peel that off and still have your you know rain gear just over a thin base layer but um yeah yeah, that's uh it's been working so i've been definitely i've been wearing them more as just like my general outer pant versus uh you know using them just as a rain layer to put on later yeah i've heard of uh guys doing that in a like alaska where it's really if it's really wet they're like we're not taking our rain pants off anyway so they'll just leave like their regular pants back so they don't even have a chance to get wet so they know they have like a dry pair and then they're bringing their rain pants with them anyway so they'll just put them on over base layers wear them as their pant get back then they can take them off put dry pants on to hang out in or whatever so that's i think it's a good system no, it is. I did that on a, an, an Alaskan doll sheep hunt with Steve when we filmed with his brother and it was a very wet week. And I, I spent, I, you know, I think all the time, hundred percent of that week, just wearing a, a base layer bottom and uh rain pants over the top of that. And it was, it was the way to go. Nice. Nice. Ready for the, the heavy hitters. Oh yeah. These are heavy. Yeah. Um, Go for it. I just got a new I just got a new snowmobile. Um wasn't planning on it, but at the end of last year I'd been riding my 2006 Polaris RMK and I was making do. It was fine, but then we uh we we filmed a little bit off of snowmobiles, filmed a lion hunt. And uh cuz we had so many people, we needed to rent a couple snowmobiles and so we rented some new sleds and you know just for fun when we had a little bit of an open powder field i jumped on one of the new ones and zipped it around a little bit and it was just like oh my gosh what have i what am i missing here <laughs> like just like you know and it's just you know my old one was almost 20 years old uh technology and um just improvements, I guess, and ergonomics. I don't even know how to put it into words, but it's all improved. It's all changed. It's way better, way easier. And so I put one, I put a Skidoo Tundra on snow check last spring, meaning I put a, you know, deposit down 
So when they came in this year, um, I was able to snag one as soon as they got in. And man, what a game changer. Like, I'm still getting it stuck some. I'm still tipping it over some, but not nearly as much as I was with that old one. And uh, my back's not like getting strained <laughs> as much from it. And, um, and man, it's just, uh, it, it's nice. Uh, another big thing too is that that RMK was not made for putting around doing five to 10 miles an hour, going slow, looking for tracks while you're pulling a, you know, 80 pound dog and a sled behind you. Um, it's meant for ripping up and down powder fields as fast as you can. And so I was having overheating problems mm -hmm. and having to constantly be, you know, watching out for that. Now with the air cooled engine and it's just geared for more of the utility type work that I'm doing. Um, it's, uh, Yes, it's performing flawlessly. So, Sweet. Um, super, super stoked uh, on on that. And um, yeah, nice. it's like a it's like a real joy, and I'm not scared. Dude, that's <laughs> nice. My, with my old sled, I was kind of always like, "Uh oh, <laughs> what's gonna happen today?" Did you say it was lighter too? I saw a post where you tipped oh, her yeah. over. Oh, 100, 100%. I mean, I, I don't know what that old one weighed. I can't even tell you what the new one weighs, but I know that just when I'm moving it around on the trailer or, you know, having to jostle with it a little bit if I've gotten it stuck, um, it's a lot easier uh, to, to move that new one around than that old one was. Nice. Nice. I uh, I did an upgrade too this year. I, uh, I used to, I grew, upgraded my side-by-side -side. so i used to have a honda like a 700 right in the middle there and i got a, a can-am defender an hd9 and uh, ended up a just kind of went all out got the got the cab and the heater i don't have like i put a cab on it later with the heater um i didn't do like the limited that has air conditioning and and all that um but Man, it's like going from, Garrett told me that it was going to be this way. He's like, going from your Honda to this thing is going to be like going from a work truck F-150 to a Denali. And that's pretty much <laughs> what it's like. Like, I, it's just so nice. And like, there's a lot of things that we, I use it like a ton. Um, so I think I use it way more now than I used my Honda just because it has a cabin heater. And mm. it's just taken like it's taken a ton of stress off my pickup. Like I'm pretty much if I just have one person, like I'm just using it for guiding instead of even touching my truck at all. Um, which is really nice to be able to take some wear and tear off of that. And then it's just so much faster to get around. If you're hunting in areas where it's, you know, only open to four wheelers or uh side by sides, obviously it just opens up your range, but Man, even when we were in Wyoming and we had a snowstorm roll in, like, you know, we just went out, started it, like, let it warm up a bit, went out and got in it. We had a heater. We were riding around on all the trails that we could have rode around or just on the regular roads. And, uh, man, people were, like, hanging outside their campers. Like, I don't know. It just, it felt like we were just hunting harder, even though. We were hunting. It more gave you an advantage. Oh yeah, I really feel like it. Like it does. I like cannot say enough good things about that that system. Yeah, uh, I like I like mine too. I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, I think I told you I I didn't have mine with the heater in the beginning, yeah. but we put in a we put a heater in over the summer, and um, man, what a difference! I don't think I actually even use it on a hunt, but we use ours a lot to uh, snow plow mm -hmm. here at the house, and uh, yeah. The heater makes all the difference. Yeah, I think you world. just like you want to be in it because before, like, I hauled that Honda like all over the place, and uh, you know, I had like a one of those soft cabs on it, like just the doors that you can like zip yourself in, and like that definitely mm -hmm. makes a difference. Um, but uh, I hauled that thing all over, and if it would get nasty cold, and we were gonna, if we could be in the pickup, like that's what we would go with, and it's like. I don't know. There was a couple of hunts that didn't even get used just because it was rough weather and it was just easier to use the pickup and then walk than, than use that thing. But um, yeah, it's been great. Cool. That's good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. I'm a, I'm excited for when you take me on a <clears throat> big mega deer hunt. We get <laughs> yeah. to hunt out of that thing. Yeah. All right. That is it for today. 
remember, send your questions to geartalk at themeateater.com. You can also send us ideas for gear you might want to see for First Light to, uh, to make. If you have any gear critiques, love to hear it. It can all be there at uh, geartalk at themeateater.com. Um, both Jordan and I are on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Jordan, what's your handle? At jordan.bud. And I'm uh, Giannis underscore Patelis. Um, I'm not in my DMs a whole bunch, but I try to keep up as much as I can. That's a great place to send us uh, questions and comments too. Mm-hmm. And you can go to the Meat Eater website to the podcast page for this specific episode. And if you have a comment on this specific episode or something we talked about today, um, you can leave it there. We're trying to get a little bit of a conversation going there and getting people involved. So Jordan and I are both checking in there. There hasn't been much yet so far. So um, if you're into that kind of stuff, please uh, go there and uh, drop us a comment. And uh, we're uh, we're trying to read it all, which I think so far we're doing a good job yeah. of. I think we've we've read every single email mm-hmm. and, and message that's come through. Awesome. Yeah. Any other PSAs, uh, no. CTAs? No. Nope. Nothing? Nothing. All right. Well, Jordan Budd and I signing off. We'll uh, catch you in a couple weeks. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.